What a great day to be in church, man. So great. Um, remain standing. Don't sit down yet. Don't get off your feet yet. Uh, I want you to get your Bibles out, and let's go to the book of Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. Uh, if you are new, my name's Brad. I don't know if I said that earlier, but uh, and I'm the pastor. So glad that you, you're worshiping with us today. If Laura and I can help you uh, minister to you, whatever. We would love to just even just meet you and say hi. After the service, we're always back by the doors. Come find us, say hi. One of the best ways to connect with us, though, is through those Next Step cards. So grab a Next Step card. You put your prayer request on there, especially if you were sitting today and you need that miracle, write that miracle on a prayer card and let us be praying every day for the next 30 days for that miracle, okay? I mean, I'll be filling one out. You fill one out as well. At the end of the service, too, we'll give you a chance to bring that to a member of our prayer team. It's one of the, my favorite parts is let our prayer team pray with you. So we are launching into a new series called Rock Your World. It's about the life of Peter. Peter was known as the rock. Um, get it? Yeah, rock, rock your world. Ah. We are that creative around here. Yeah. Man, creativity. Woo, sorry. Man, it's, it's always the drummer. It's always the drummer. Uh, this series, though, I'm real excited about. We actually were going to do a different series, punted that series. Two weeks ago, I said, hey, team, we're going a different direction. And they're all like, ah, uh, but this is great. I'm really super excited about this series because this series is about purpose. So we just came out of our series called Valuable, and we talked about the idea of purpose. You were created on purpose for a purpose. But this series is all about helping you to discover and unleash the purpose that God has for you in your life. So I want to also encourage you at the end of the month, if you've not been to Discover Class, go to Discover Class. Uh, it's how you can get plugged in, how you can discover who you are, how God has gifted you. And then Laura and I are also launching another Discover group. Now on Discover Groups, Laura and I take a group of about 20 people and we go through the cause assessment. It's about a five-week uh, small group and it's limited. There can only, uh, it's limited to the first 20 so if you want to get into that group, you'll just grab a Next Step card, write Discover Class or Discover Group on there, and we'll get in contact with you, and we'll, uh, as long as there's room, we'll, we'll let you get in on it, okay? So let's go to Matthew's Gospel, though, Matthew chapter 16, and if you don't have a Bible, uh, grab your smartphone and download version, great version of the Bible. But if you're new to church, Matthew was a disciple of Jesus. And he wrote these accounts of Jesus' life that we have. And here he's talking about one of his friends who was also a disciple, Peter. So we get the story of Peter in verse 13. And it says this, when, by the way, they're about, about a year and a year and a half into Jesus' ministry at this time. So they're about a year and a half or so away from Jesus fulfilling the call of going to the cross for us. So it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, this is verse 13, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, well, who do you say? Who do you say I am? And then Simon Peter, the kind of the boisterous one of the bunch, he said, well, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. And, and let, me, let me just step off for a second and say this. If you're new and you're not a follower of Jesus yet, I am not going to be able to convince you in the next 90 minutes that, I'm not preaching for 90 minutes, 
but I'm not going to be able to convince you in the next few minutes that Jesus is the Messiah. You can keep coming back week after week after week after week, and I will not convince you. You can read and read and read, and, I will, and this will not convince you. You can go buy a, a case of books and, and read and read and read, and it will not convince you. The only thing that will convince you that Jesus is the Son of the living God is if the Father reveals that to you, okay? So all of us here would testify to that as followers of Jesus. It's God who spoke to you through the living word, through a friend, through a preacher, through the television, through whatever. But it was God who awakened you to who he is. And he says this to him. He says, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock... I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Father, you have been so gracious to us, meeting with us already. Just uh, your presence has been so thick here, and just the work you've already done in people's lives. Thank you, thank you, thank you for what you've already done. And now we just want to hear from your word, that you just speak to us through your spirit, that you would awaken us in Jesus' name. And the church said... All right, you may be seated. I think one of the worst feelings as a kid is to be bored. Do you remember as a little kid getting bored? Like, I remember as a little kid the anticipation of summer vacation. Do you remember that? Like, summer's coming, man. I can't wait. I, I didn't like anything about school. I was like, I can't wait. Sorry, teachers. Uh, I, I couldn't wait for summer vacation. And then I, you get in the middle of summer vacation and you're like, what? I'm so bored. My kids never said that to their mom, by the way, because mama would find something for them to do. But I remember being bored and I remember I, I got so bored, I got so desperate, I started watching soap operas. <laughs> it was like, as sands through the hourglass of time, so go the days of our lives. Mom would come home. No, they, Luke and Laura still haven't gotten married, Mom. I'm not sure when it's going to happen. I mean, I remember the anticipation. Are they going to get married? I, I'm dating myself. Anybody? Anybody? Never mind. Don't put your hand up. You're old. You're old when you say that. Don't do that. But I, I, I remember I've insulted teachers and old people in just a matter of three minutes here. Welcome to church. All right. But I, but I just remember being so bored. I'm, I, I, like the highlight of my summer, the price is right. Anybody remember Bob Barker? Man, and that little uh, microphone that looked like an antenna off a 73 Impala. <laughs> it was just like, you know, remember to have your pet spayed and neutered. I just remember, and I would gather with my best friend, Carl Denger. We were nine years old, bidding on appliances, you know, no clue what an appliance is worth when you're nine. And we would actually write down, Carl and I, we would go against each other in the showcase showdown. And I just remember the feeling of winning a new car and a trip to the Jamaica. Woohoo! All right, let's go ride our bike. And that was the, it was the extent of it. It was just being bored. But I also remember as a child being bored in church. I don't know if you were raised in church, but I was raised in church, and I was always in church. And, and on Sunday morning, we had an amazing children's program, just like ours. I mean, we had, do we not have a great kids' ministry? We have an amazing kids' ministry here. Five people believe that, really? Right? How about if we never gave your kids back again? Wouldn't it be an amazing kids' ministry? Now I'm feeling the love. Uh, 
No, we have an incredible kids' ministry here. Like, man, pouring into kids' lives. And, and I had a really good kids' ministry when I, when I was a kid. It was a lot of fun. Um, in fact, it was probably some of the inspiration for our kids' ministry today. But they also had this thing called Sunday Night Church. Anybody remember that? We, if you're not familiar with that, what we would do is everything you do on Sunday morning, you would come back at 6 p.m. and repeat it all over again. Only they didn't have a kid's ministry. So as a kid, I remember with my best friend, Carl Denger, sitting on the second row in pews, okay, while my mom was in the choir. So my mom is in the choir. They used to have choir with the robes, and and they used to stay. Anybody remember this? The choir stayed up the entire time the preacher was preaching. So while the preacher's preaching, the choir is up here. I'm down here, no parental supervision, Nine years old, I'm bored out of my skull. I'm taking offering envelopes and I'm bending them into little paper footballs. I remember Carl would be like this, making the goalposts and shooting them. We'd have a hymnal. We'd take the hymnal and we'd shoot them off with the hymnal at each other, like, yeah, yeah, like this. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, my mom would start yelling at me from the choir loft, <laughs> not verbally, with her eyes. Like, I, anybody, like, I'm like this, and I'm like, and Carl, I'm like, oh, oh, is my mom looking at me? She's looking at you, dude. You're in serious trouble. And my mom would be like, it was like laser beams, just screaming at me. And if I didn't mind myself, my mom would come out of the choir loft, pull me out of the pew, out into the aisle, and spank my butt, and then walk back up into the choir, sit down for amazing grace. (laughs) That's the church I was raised in right there. I I was just bored. You know, I, I, I think that there are... I think there are some adults in church that are bored with their faith. And I, and I think the reason that they're bored with their faith is because Christianity is really about Christian conduct to them. I, um, I just am supposed to be good, and I'm supposed to do good, and I'm supposed to, you know, raise virgins who don't swear. And then I'm supposed to read my Bible, go to church, and pray. I'm supposed to read my Bible, pray, go to church. Read my Bible, pray, go to church. And rinse and repeat. Read my Bible, pray, and, and go to church. I, I, it reminds me a lot of, of youth sports where they don't keep score. And you're just running around and following the rules, but there's no real purpose. I, I think that's what it ends up being like, but that is not what you and I were created for. No, God, God says, man, I have so much more for you. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them God's got so much more for you. God has got so much more for you. You were not created to sit passively by in the seats. You were created with a purpose and with a plan and with a divine destiny. You know, our our world right now is just being rocked by tragedy and and by pain. Like, everywhere that you you turn, just just last week there was the shooting at at the synagogue, and and then there's there's all this racial tension 
in our society right now. There's hurricanes that are just ravaging the country. There's, there's poverty. There's, there's uh, human trafficking. Like, we didn't even know this even existed in our state like five years ago. And now, right under our noses, children and people are being trafficked and, and thrown into sex slavery and just awful things. And then last week, we talked about, we talked about uh, foster care. And there's, right now, there's over 600 children that are awaiting a family. The answer is not coming on Tuesday. Come on, somebody. That's good right there. The answer is not coming on Tuesday, riding in on a white horse. It's time for the church to wake up and take our place because the answer is sitting right here in the seats. God wants to use you. He wants to use me to do something in this world to take the hope and the healing and the peace and the purpose into this broken world. So I'd, I'd like for you to write this down. This is where we're going to go for a few minutes. And this is what I want you to write down. God wants to take me from following and into my calling. God wants to take me from following and into my calling. God wants to move you. He doesn't want you just to sit and occupy a seat. He wants to move you from just following him to actually jumping into the calling for the purposes and the plans that he has for you. And as we see from the story of Peter here, it starts with a question. Look back at Matthew 16 and verse 15. Here's the question. Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered this way. He said, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. See, I think before we ask what, we have to answer who. Who is Jesus? Because all of us, honestly, what we want to do is we want to just jump to what is my purpose? Like, what, what do you want me to do? But, but we've got to back it up because purpose begins with Jesus. Earlier, when we read that when Jesus said, who do people say I am? They said, oh, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're, you're Jeremiah. But here's the thing. If, if Jesus is just a prophet, if he's just a man, he can't answer your what? He has no ability to do that. It's like me as a pastor. The people will come to me and they'll say, hey, um, what do you think God wants me to do? What, what, what is, here's a big question we'll ask. What is God's will for my life? And, and I can't answer that for you. Now, I, I can give you wisdom. I can give you direction. I can give you guidance. I can point you to the word. I can pray with you. But ultimately, all I can do is say, I don't know. And all I can do is point you to the one who does know. So Peter, he says this, man, you're the Messiah. You're, you're the son of the living God. And if Jesus is the Messiah, the son of the living God, that changes everything. Because that means he's your creator. It means he's the divine designer. Like he created you, like the prophet Jeremiah, like Jeremiah, the, a famous passage of scripture that we say often is, he knows the plans that he has for you. But, but the world, the world teaches us, hey, look, look inside yourself. Look inside you. 
I get to decide. I, I get to determine my destiny. But I know for me personally, whenever I begin to look inside myself, it starts to become about me and what I want. And every single time I end up empty and completely unfulfilled. Write, write this down. Calling is found in following. Calling is found in following. And in other words, as I surrender my life, as I surrender my agenda, as I follow after Jesus, he will reveal to me the purposes and the plans for me. But you got to start with Jesus. Think of it this way. We, we are all called to the great commandment. All of us, okay? The great commandment. We, we talked about that during the last series. So if you're like, what's the great commandment? In, in church world, we have this phrase we use called the great commandment. And it's this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. We, we say it this way. God, man, God wants us to take the hope, healing, peace, and purpose of Jesus into this world. All of us are called to the great commandment, but we also have a great calling on our lives. In other words, God has a particular purpose and design and calling for you. And Peter, Peter here, he's about to move from following and step into his great calling. But look at it here, verse 18. He says, now I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock, here it is, say it with me, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So Jesus, in an instant, changes his name and changes his destiny, changes his name from Simon to Peter, he becomes the rock, and he says, hey, Peter, I'm getting ready to unleash the church, okay? I'm not gonna be around. Thousands of people are gonna come into the church and I choose you. You're in charge. This is, this is Peter's moment. This is his great calling. But what we have to understand here when we look at this passage is Peter didn't just jump into his calling immediately. It, did, it, it happened over time. It was, it was a, it was a three-year process for Peter. I remember back, Peter, he was, he was a fisherman, right? And then Jesus hijacks his boat one day, steps into his boat, and Peter's like, yeah, dude, what's up? Well, hey, I'm about to change your destiny. Oh, and he had no idea. Jesus just borrowing his boat to get back, and Jesus says, hey, Peter, yeah, I don't want you to be just fishing I want, to, I want to make you a fisher of, anybody, anybody, church people? Men. I want to make you a fisher of men. Peter leaves everything. He becomes a fisherman. He, he starts following Jesus. And as he's following Jesus, he starts to discover his calling. It doesn't happen immediately. He's just a fisherman. He's following. He's following like a lot of people are. I mean, he's in the crowd. There's a ton of people that are following Jesus. He's a great teacher. And then Jesus comes to him and says, hey, Peter, I don't want you in the crowd. I want you to be one of my 12. Peter's like, one of your 12? <laughs> okay. And he becomes one of the 12. And as he becomes one of the 12, he goes about, he's now not only watching Jesus do miracles, but he himself is performing miracles. And then Jesus says, hey, hey, Peter, I don't want you to just be one of the 12. I want you to be 
one of the three. With with James and John, I I want you, and so Jesus says, I'm going to take you and and the two brothers, and I'm going to set you aside, and I'm going to teach you, and I'm going to instruct you, and I'm going to talk to you away from those, and he makes, and he says, you're going to be part of the three, and now we see right here is he goes from being a part of the three to being the one, like the one on which Jesus is going to start the church. See, calling is found in following. It's, it's, it's letting God shape your character. It's letting him build your faith. It's, it's learning to trust him one step at a time. I was 18 years old when Jesus got in my boat. <laughs> and it's at 18 is where Jesus changed my destiny. And, and, and I began to follow Jesus at 18 years old. And I had a radio career and, and, and a, a, a a good radio career, and it was fun, and, and, and I had already started it in high school, and I was continuing my journey in radio, and as I was following after Jesus, I was, you know, just praying, God, use me, and use me here, and I want to make a difference, and, and, and just began following whatever you need, God, however you want to use me, on the radio, off the radio, influence, whatever, and I began this journey, and I had no idea that in 1999, he was going to come to me, and I was going to go from following and step into my great calling. In 1999, God came to me and said, I want you to be a preacher. Now, what you have to understand is my dad was a preacher, and I'm like, I ain't going to be doing that. I don't want to be that. I ain't doing what that is. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do that. I didn't want to do that, but God began to speak to me, and I said yes to that calling. Some people have asked me over the years, they're like, Brad, did did you miss God's call? Like, Man, I mean, you called to ministry, you wasted all those years. Can I tell you, not a single step, not a single year was wasted because I was following after him. He was building my character, shaping my faith, grounding me in him, teaching me how to trust, breaking me. Come on, somebody, breaking me so that I could be in a position to lead for him. So this is what I would say to you right now is, man, if you're like, man, I haven't gotten my calling, and if you don't know your calling, keep following. Come on, tell three people around you, keep following, keep following. In front of you, behind you, tell them, you got you to keep following. Man, God is shaping you. He's building you. He's forming you. Not a single step is wasted when you're following after him. He will reveal his calling in his time. You just got to be patient. You got to wait for it. Here's the other thing I've seen too is that even after discovering your calling, it, it can be years, sometimes decades, before you actually step into your calling. It's really weird. Like you discover what you're supposed to do and, and it can take years. We see this over and over again in scripture. Abraham, he gets this calling that God says, I'm going to start a nation through you and you're going to give birth. Your wife Sarah is going to give birth to a son. He's like, dude, I'm 75 years old. Hello, not a chance. God's like, yeah. 25 years later, he steps into that call when Isaac is born. Joseph, Joseph has this dream. God gives him this dream that he's gonna be a great leader. And he starts talking about his dream. His brothers get jealous and they try to kill him. Not only do they try to kill him, they sell him as a slave. He gets sold as a slave. Then he gets accused of rape. He ends up in prison for 17 years. He's in misery. Nothing's going right for him until he is finally elevated to his calling. David, 
One of the great kings of the Bible, one of the great figures of the Bible. David is going to be king of Israel, and Samuel shows up at at his dad's house because God says it's one of Jesse's sons. And so Jesse brings all his sons out, and Samuel's like, it ain't any one of these guys. You got anybody else? And Jesse's like, ah, there's my little one out in the field. He goes, bring him in. So David comes in, and Samuel's like, he's the one. David goes out of the field, comes Samuel's beautiful moment. Samuel anoints him as the next king of Israel. And David goes back to the field and tends sheep. Oh, and then he's got to tend sheep, and then he's got to take lunch to his brothers who are in the Israeli army. And then he says, there's this story of this giant. He's got to kill this giant. And then he's a harp player for, for Saul. But then Saul gets jealous of him and kicks him out and starts hunting David down. Once he finds out David is probably going to be king, take his place and all this, he starts trying to kill him. He's hiding out. It's almost 20 years before David finally gets to the throne and embraces his calling. Here's Peter. Most scholars believe for Peter that when he received this, it was about halfway in, into Jesus' ministry. And so it would be about a year and a half or almost two years before Peter would finally step into that calling and lead the church. What happens is as you're following him, he will continually refine and define that call for you. So you just got to keep following. If you've gotten your calling, you just got to keep following. Following. 1999, I got my call, the call. Jesus speaks to me, and I'm going to go into ministry. And the call that I received was that I was going to be a preacher, and I was going to lead a church. But it didn't, it didn't start out that way. 18 years ago, we were launching a church that we all enjoy today as Core Church. But 18 years ago, our founding pastor, his name is Brett Rickey, and, and Brett and I were at this conference. I'll never forget being at this conference in and at the end of the conference, he was standing in the back. I was standing here like this. He was standing here. And he said, hey, um, we're going to build this church through kids' ministry. And I was standing here, and I was like, hey, what? Because I knew that meant me, that I was going to be the one. And I'm like, I don't even know how to raise my own kids, let alone somebody else's. Have you not seen my kids? You don't want me in charge of this. And, and he said, no, the, we're going to do this. And I had to step into that. And what I realized when I stepped into that, I was way in over my head. I didn't know what I was doing, but God, it was really cool. God took me back and he said, do you remember how much fun it was for you in kids' church? I was like, yeah. He goes, just make it fun. Make it fun and make it about me. Well, I can do that. I can have fun. I like having fun. But I wasn't that gifted or that talented, so I had to get people around me, volunteers gathering in around me to help me build curriculum and write curriculum. And, and then we came up with all these crazy characters that we, we did. Opal, the church secretary. I'm serious, Opal, you know. And, uh, and we had uh, Woody, the church janitor. And Woody was like, why is our scruffy guy? He was like, I'll tell you what. I'm actually the one who started this church. I, uh, I did it. It's my, I mean, so Woody was the church janitor, and you had to be there. You just had to be there, you know? And, and, and I remember that there's this guy named Buddy Davis who shows up, gets saved, and, and Buddy and I kind of hit it off, and I'm like, hey, dude, let's go to lunch, and we start talking, and Buddy, we're laughing and stuff, and we're like, let's start, we start doing characters together. So we did Sergeant Salvation and Private Praise and, and Super Christian and Joey Bada Bing, Bada Boom Bada Bing, and we did all these great characters, and we made videos, and it was, it was so much fun. But Buddy and me, we had no idea that one day God was going to launch Buddy and Alicia out to start Abba Compassionate Ministries, okay? So 
buddy was just following Jesus. I had stepped into my calling. He didn't even know what his calling was yet. He's just following, being obedient, letting God mold him and let him shape you. And that's what you've got to do. You have to be just so obedient to God to say, I'm willing to do whatever, whenever, however, to step into that calling. So when I, when I say these things, I know like some of you are all like, oh, okay, so here it comes. You're going to tell me that God's going to call me to be a preacher? Maybe. Maybe not, but maybe. There are preachers in the seats. Some of y'all are preachers. Some of you are leaders. Listen, we haven't done, we just gotten started as a church. And I know that we're going to have multiple, multiple churches that are going to come out of what we're doing. I, I even see visions. God's given me visions of being around the world in other countries, that we could birth churches in other countries. You know what that means? Some of y'all ain't even going to stay here. You're going to answer the call, and you are going to sell everything and move to another country because that's what God's calling you to do. Only two of you are excited about that because you're like, that ain't me. That's not me. That is someone else in Jesus' name. That's why you're clapping. Please, Jesus, please no, please no. You're the God of miracles. You're like. But I'm telling you, we can't change the world unless you get out of the seats and embrace your calling. But here's what I know. Most of you, that won't happen because that's not your calling. That's my calling. All you'd have to be obedient to is the particular purpose in which he's called you to do. This is what I love about this church, because people are already doing this. I mean, we have people who've gotten out of the seats and they said, you know what? The call and purpose of my life is to take care of the homeless. And we have two different groups in our church that have gone out and they're feeding the homeless on their own. Actually, we have three groups now, three groups that are feeding the homeless in our community. We have parents who said, I'm going to open up my home and I'm going to be a foster parent. Others who've opened up their home and said, I'm going to adopt. We have others who said, you know what, I'm going to go into the prisons. And man, we have baptized hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of men and women because people were obedient to their calling to go into the prisons. What is your calling? Is it to children? Is it to adults? Is it to homelessness? Is it to poverty? Is it to the orphan? Who is, who is it that God's calling? This is what I want to tell you. Just step in. Just start. Start somewhere, and God will mold, and he will refine, and he will define that calling, and it'll get stronger and tighter and more laser-focused as the years go by, and you trust in him. So let me, let me say this, too, though. This is so important that you remember this, is moving from following to calling is not a seamless transition. It's usually wrought with uh, failure, discouragement, brokenness, bumps, bruises, uh, just fumbles. It, just, it can be just really messy. All you got to do is look at the life of Peter, and you see this. Peter just stumbled into his calling. Truthfully, he just stumbled into his calling. I mean, remember, he's the guy that famously said, oh, I'm getting out of the boat. And he gets out of the boat to walk on water, and he does what? Blah, 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 blah. He sinks. Jesus is, on, uh, is being betrayed, and Peter's like, I got it, Jesus. And he's like, pulls a sword, and he's like, for Jesus. And he cuts off a guy's ear. Jesus is like, 
What are you doing? You told me to bring the sword. Is that not, not, Jesus is like, I, I got it. I said, I don't think that's how that miracle happened. But it would have been funny if it did. Peter had all kinds of setbacks, all kinds of, all kinds of failures, but I, I think that's why Jesus said to Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, there, there's a great debate that's taken place over the centuries that when Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church, some people say, hey, he was talking to Peter, that you know, Peter was the one who was going to start the church. And, and then there's the other side of the debate that says, no, 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 no. Jesus was talking about himself, that, that the church would be founded upon him. And when you look at the words that are used there in the original language, the, the word for Peter, it means like, like a small stone. And the word that's used for rock is this idea of a, 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 for when Jesus said, upon this rock, that rock means foundation or cornerstone. I want to submit to you that I think what Jesus was saying was both. It's Peter and it's Jesus. I think Jesus in that moment, he's looking at Peter and he's like, Peter, you have incredible gifts. Man, you are a rock. You are strong. You are loaded, my friend. But you can't do anything apart from me. It's only in me. I'm the cornerstone. I'm the foundation. And if you're going to fulfill your purpose and your calling and your destiny, you got to be founded in me. That's what has to happen for us. And I love this because Peter comes along later. He writes this letter, and he kind of confirms this. He says in 1 Peter 2.4, he says this, You are coming to Christ, who is the living what? The cornerstone. He's the cornerstone of God's temple. In other words, it's, it is the rock, Peter, and it's the cornerstone. It's you and me and Jesus. You can't do it alone. Come on, tell somebody by you, you can't do it alone. You can't do this alone. A couple weeks ago, I was out on our prayer trail, and if you go out in our parking lot and you look across there is a prayer trail, and I like to go out there every once in a while and just, just pray. And so one afternoon, a couple weeks ago, I went out there, and so I started out on the prayer trail, and I got around the first bend, and I just stopped because I was like, oh, I think there's a snake out here. This was my actual reaction because I hate snakes. Oh, can't stand them. And I'm like, no, be strong. Be strong, Brad? And I'm like, oh, I'm leaving. There's got to be a snake. And I'm like, no, no, no. I came out here to pray. I am a mighty man of God. I will pray for my people. I was really kind of saying that inside. I was trying to muster up some kind of thing in me. And I'm like, I can do this. I can do this. I know. I'm, I came out here. I'm going to pray. And, and so I turned, and I started walking down the, the, the prayer path. And I'd love to tell you that I started praying, but I wasn't praying. I was just like, I know there's a snake. I know there's a snake. God, you get my prayer, but there's a snake here somewhere. And I'm walking like this, and 10 feet up the trail, there was a snake! <laughs> and he was like, this long! He was huge! <laughs> he was like, this big around. It was massive. And he was just laying there. And I was like, ah. And so I was like, he's not moving. Maybe he's dead. Stupid. 
So I get a stick. And I poke him like this, and he goes, like this, and I went, I'm not kidding you, I was screaming. Like a scared little schoolgirl, I was screaming. Man, I hate snakes. Oh, man. Listen, for some of you, God is wanting to birth a calling in you. And it means you have to follow after him. But guess what? There are going to be obstacles in your path. There is an enemy that doesn't want you to succeed. He will put fear in you. He will do anything he can to thwart the the, the call of God to get it to stop so that you will turn and you will run like a scared schoolgirl. And that's why you have to stand on the cornerstone. You have to stand in faith in Christ. He's the one who will help me. Listen, and he says, when I stand in him, the powers of hell will not conquer me. God wants to move you from following and into your calling. And he has a purpose and he has a plan. And he has a calling, a great calling that he wants you to fulfill in this room, in this, in this world. And what I know is this. If you will be so bold as to say, all right, God, you can count on me. I will step into my calling. I will go into the world, and I will do my part. I promise you this. The powers of hell will not conquer what he has put inside of you.